Please turn in your Bibles to two locations. One is Isaiah chapter 38 and 39, and the other is Second Chronicles chapter 32. We will uh, look at Second Chronicles chapter 32 first. Dick Myrie, a former member of our congregation, now in heaven. I never will forget the double funeral that I did for Dick and his wife, Lucy. Uh, two caskets down front, uh, killed in a plane accident in Atlanta. Dick was the manager of the Alabaster Airport and also sold airplanes. On one occasion, a businessman here, prominent family in Birmingham, came to Dick to purchase an airplane. And uh, after they agreed on the price, the Dick got out of contract and the purchaser said, wait, wait, uh, <clears throat> before you put any figures down there, I want you to add in several other items uh, that you charge the company for. But... Uh, we won't actually get. You add that to the cost of the plane, and then you just uh, give me that money and a kickback. After all, I'm the one who's purchasing the plane. And uh, Dick said, well, I can't do that. I'm a Christian. I have already shared with you how I became a Christian, how God has changed my life. If I were to uh, do what you're saying, I would undercut everything I've said to you. And the purchaser said, there's no way you're going to miss a sale like this. Now, uh, I'm going to go ahead and sign the contract here, and you just fill it in like I said, and then you sign it. Dick said, I'm not going to sign it. He said, I'm going to sign it and leave it with you. There's no way you're going to miss a sale like this. Well, uh, Dick faced temptation, didn't he? Maybe you're facing temptation. Hezekiah, king of Judah, faced temptation. Uh, The story is given in two scenes, but first let me give you the setting. Hezekiah had received singular favors from God. On one occasion, Hezekiah got very sick. And God sent Isaiah, the prophet, to Hezekiah, King Hezekiah, to tell him to set his house in order that he was going to die. Hezekiah had been a great king. Hezekiah had served God faithfully as a king and had removed the idols from the land, had done many things to restore the true worship of God to the southern kingdom of Judah. And Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and said, God, I don't want to die. I've been faithful. I've served you faithfully. Now I'm going to ask you to heal me and give me more years. God sent Isaiah back. And uh, he said, God has heard your prayer and he has answered and you will receive 15 more years. 
And as a sign of that, would you like the sun to go forward 10 degrees on the dial or backward 10 degrees on the dial? And Hezekiah said, well, it's not too big a deal to make it go forward, but to make it go backward, that's a pretty big deal. He said, all right, it'll go back 10 degrees. And it did. Now, how God did that, whether it was a miracle of refraction or whether it was a miracle of backing things up or just how it did, I'm not too clear on that. Uh, if God created the universe, he can sure back it up anytime he wants to. Now, he had received singular favors from God. He had been granted great material success in Second Chronicles chapter 32. And verse 27, it says, Hezekiah had very great riches and honor, and he made treasuries for his silver and gold and for his precious stones, spices, shields, and all kinds of valuables. And verse 29, he built villages and acquired great numbers of flocks and herds, for God had given him very great riches. Is that true of you? Have you received singular favors from God? Yes, you have. You were born in America, most of you. Uh, if you don't believe that's a head start, you do a little traveling. Uh, every one of us here is wealthy, comparatively speaking. Uh, maybe God's blessed you uh, with uh, material wealth even here in America. Uh, maybe uh, you've been successful in business or something else. Maybe he's blessed you with uh, good health, good family. Uh, you're in the Bible Belt, place in the world that's got more light than any other place in the world. You're in an evangelical church in the Bible. You're in a PCA evangelical church. <laughs> uh, we're all blessed. Uh, now... Uh, we have been granted singular favors. Hezekiah had made solemn vows to God. When he was healed, he vowed. Look at chapter 38 of Isaiah and uh, in verse 15. He says, What can I say? He has spoken to me and he himself has done this. God has given me 15 more years. I will walk humbly all my years because of this anguish of my soul, which I cried out and he answered. He vows to walk humbly with God the rest of all these 15 years. Um, he, he vows to praise God all the days of his life. Verse 20, the Lord will slave me and we will sing with stringed instruments all the days of our lives in the temple of the Lord. Interestingly, Dick Myrie had made vows to the Lord just shortly before he was tempted about that airplane. We'd had some special meetings here, and Dick had told me of how he had told the Lord, Lord, I want to be your man 100%. I want to be available to you. I want every area of my life to glorify you. You show me where I'm not, and I want to do that. He had made vows to the Lord, and that's appropriate. God is appropriate to make vows any time, but particularly when God has blessed us 
and some unique way. Now Hezekiah was to be put to the test back in Second Chronicles. Look at Second Chronicles chapter 32 and verse 31. It says, But when envoys were sent by the rulers of Babylon to ask him about the miraculous sign, this backing up of the sun that had occurred in the land, God left him to test him and to know everything that was in his heart. Now, a time of testing. You say, God... I purpose to serve you with all my heart. I purpose to run my business in a way that would glorify you. I purpose to raise my family in a way that would glorify you. I purpose to do this, to handle my resources in a way, whatever it is. All right. God will see to it that you're put to the test. Are you serious? Do you mean it? Well... In Isaiah 39, we have scene one, the visit of the ambassadors or the envoys from Babylon. Notice why they came. At that time, Merodach Baladan, son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent Hezekiah letters and a gift because he had heard of his illness and recovery. Now, ostensibly, they came to congratulate him on his recovery. Apparently, actually also, they came to feel out Hezekiah about an alliance with Babylon. Babylon was a rising power here. These envoys from the king of Babylon come to feel him out about an alliance against Assyria, uh, the power that was threatening Babylon and Judah. Notice how Hezekiah responds, verse 2. Hezekiah received the envoys gladly and showed them all that was in his storehouses, the silver, the gold, the spices, the fine oil, his entire armory, and everything found among his treasures. There was nothing in his palace or in all of his kingdom that Hezekiah did not show them. Well, he was glad, it says, he received the envoys gladly. Uh, He's flattered. Here are these envoys from this strong foreign nation uh, that have come uh, with a present and with a letter to congratulate him. Uh, Maybe he was glad also because perhaps he felt the need of an alliance with Babylon against Assyria. He was glad and he was gracious. He receives them so graciously and... Is that right? No, he was proud, Uh, he was vain, he was boastful. If Hezekiah had gone to Babylon or sent envoys to Babylon, what would they have shown him? They would have taken him in and shown him all their wealth and their armory and their power. You remember the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, saying, Is that this great Babylon? which I have built for the glory of my power. Isn't it sad when Christians have the same value system as the world? Glory in the same things. Um, 
What if he'd said, I'm so glad you're here. Let me show you the temple. Let me show you where we worship the true God who created the world. Not like these little tribal gods, national gods. The creator of the world. And this temple can't contain God. The universe can't contain him. But he manifests his presence here in a unique way to show how he can be approached. That innermost part, that's the holiest of all, where in a unique way he manifests his presence over the Ark of the Covenant that contains the Ten Commandments. And we don't keep those commandments as we should, but God has a way where we can be forgiven. You see this altar? We offer the blood of a lamb here. And then the high priest takes that lamb's blood in and it covers our sin as he sprinkles it on the top of the box annually on the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. Uh, and we know who the true lamb was. The real lamb was Jesus, who was going to pay for Hezekiah's sin and, and your sin and my sin. And uh, the real high priest was Jesus. He would offer himself. And we understand that. And Hezekiah didn't understand all that. He didn't have to understand all of that. All he had to know was, this is the way the true God can be approached. Suppose he had taken the Scriptures and he said, you see this? This is the Word of God. The God who created everything. He's revealed himself through prophets. Would you like a copy? Would you like me to tell you more? But he didn't do that. What about you? If I visited in your home, what would you show me? Would you say, uh, let me show you my garden here and let me show you this addition to the house? Or would you say, this is where we have our family devotions. Right here is where my son accepted Christ with me. Uh, Over here is where we have the group in for Bible study. If I went to your office, uh, would I see anything different about your office than the office of a non-Christian? First Corinthians 10.31, Whatsoever you do, whether in word or deed, do all to the glory of God. Everything, whether eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. Dick Myrie, shortly after he received the management of the Alabasta Airport, called me up one day and he said, I'm in real trouble. I'm losing money every week. I can't hold out much longer. I'm going to go under. I want to counsel with you. So I went out and we had prayer together. And I said, you know, Dick, uh, as I look around the office here, I don't see anything distinct about this office. I don't see anything different than if I walked in the office of a non-Christian. I don't see anything at all in the business here that says you're a Christian. If I was operating this business, there'd be something around that would identify me as a Christian. Uh, We talked about how he could do that, how he could put out Christian literature, how he could give Christian books to others, how he could have devotions with his employees, how he could witness in his business. And he began to do that. And there was a very dramatic turnaround, as dramatic as the healing of Hezekiah. 
If I was operating a business today, I believe I'd probably give everybody a Jesus video that I dealt with. That's been great, the Jesus video. Uh, Different ones of you have come up to tell me what's happened as you've distributed your Jesus videos. One of the fellows talked about how uh, he was giving them out throughout his neighborhood, and and he got delayed at one point, and then he went on to the next home, and the fellow said, I was going to give you 15 minutes, and if you hadn't showed up, I was going to come get it. <laughs> he said, I've got to have open-heart surgery tomorrow, and I wanted to see that video before I had that open-heart surgery. Amen. Been good. We, we understand that uh, from the headquarters uh, of the Jesus video, it, some uh, 60 churches here are participating, and that uh, some 19,000 videos have been ordered and distributed. Our church, 2,500 of those. And uh, we want to be praying for the impact of that and the follow-up on that. But I believe if I was operating a business, I would use that video as a tool with customers, with employees. I believe I'd use those uh, tapes that are out, uh, the life story tapes with Chuck Colson's testimony, Paul Henderson's testimony, uh, the chairman of Canadian Airlines, the astronaut, and others that are in our bookstore. And uh, try to really have this permeate uh, my business. Well, uh, Hezekiah... Uh, sin was great. God hates pride. Six things the Lord hates, yea, seven are an abomination to him, Proverbs 6 says. A proud look, a lying heart, swift, feet that are swift to pursue evil. Proud look. Uh, look at Second Chronicles chapter 32 and verse 25. It says... <clears throat> But Hezekiah's, well, verse 24, In those days Hezekiah became ill, was at the point of death. He prayed to the Lord, who answered him and gave him a miraculous sign. But Hezekiah's heart was proud, and he did not respond to the kindness shown him. Therefore the Lord's wrath was on him and on Judah and Jerusalem. What was the essence of his sin? First he honored himself. He wanted to show the ambassadors what a great man he was, how rich, how powerful. That's wrong in any man, but especially in someone who's been as close to death as he had. Anybody ought to know the vanity of riches is someone who's been that close to death and then recovered. Second, he failed to honor God. He had a wonderful opportunity for telling those envoys about the mighty acts of God. And what about us? If we have proficiency in any field, whether it's sports or, or <clears throat> business or uh, music or art, whatever it is, do we credit God with that? Scripture says, who made thee to differ from another? What do you have that you didn't receive? If you received it from God, why do you boast as if it were your own? It says it's God who gives you power to get wealth. Not unto us, not unto us, but unto thee be glory. That needs to be written over every aspect of our lives. 
According to Second Chronicles 20, uh, 32, 31, the invoice came to ask about the miraculous sign. What a golden opportunity there to tell about the Lord. Billy Graham, on one occasion, tells of how he was asked to have lunch with the head of a state, the foreign state. And uh, they talked about the national situation and about the situation in that nation and our nation and, and in the world and Billy Graham went back home, and when he walked in his door, his conscience smote him. I was with the man two hours. I didn't tell him about the Lord Jesus. I didn't talk to him about his soul. He dropped to his knees. He said, Oh, God, if you'll give me another chance to have lunch with that man, I will talk to him about you. Please, God, give me another chance. The phone rang. It was the secretary of the head of state. said, Dr. Graham, uh, the president enjoyed having lunch with you so much today. He was wondering if you would be available tomorrow. <laughs> yes, I will. And uh, he talked to the man about his need of Jesus and how he could be right with God. Well, uh, we have a remarkable example here. It teaches us the danger of prosperity. And pride is rooted in our hearts. And we have little idea of... Uh, What's in the recesses of our hearts? You notice it said, God left him to test him. Isaiah thought that his integrity, I mean, Hezekiah thought that his integrity was due to his own innate goodness. And God said, I'll just let you see what's in your heart. And uh, puts him through this test. Let him go on for just a brief period of time without God's upholding in a sense, and let him see what was in his heart. Boy, we need to every day say with David, Hold thou me up, and I shall be saved. I think of a lady in our congregation who came some years back and poured out an awful story about immorality, sexual immorality with someone else, an affair. And then she said, You know, I've, I believe I know why this happened to me. I've been so hard on anyone who did this. I've been so condemning and uh, had absolutely no understanding. I believe God just let me see, just let me see what was in my heart and what I'm capable of without his sustaining power. Well, remember when Jesus told the disciples... At the Last Supper, one of you will betray me tonight. They all said, Lord, is it him? No. They said, Lord, is it I? And that's the way we ought to think. I'm capable of all kind of evil things if God doesn't hold me up. And so are you. Why did God test Hezekiah like this? He says he did it. That he might know what was in his heart. Isaiah, or Psalm 66.10 says, For you, O Lord, tested us, you refined us like silver. You put silver into the fire to bring the dross to the top so you can remove the dross. God put Hezekiah into the fire to bring the dross to the top so the dross could be removed. So Hezekiah could repent. He brought all this filth up 
out of the resources of his life in order that he could put it away. God knew what was in Hezekiah's heart, but Hezekiah didn't know what was in his heart. God knew what was in this lady's heart in our congregation, but she didn't know what was in her heart. Well, that's scene one. God confronts us with our sin. Here's scene two. In uh, verse three. And then, this is Isaiah 39, then Isaiah the prophet went to King Hezekiah and asked, What did these men say, and where did they come from? From a distant land, Hezekiah replied, They came to me from Babylon. The prophet asked, What did they see in your palace? They saw everything in my palace, Hezekiah said. There's nothing among my treasures that I did not show them. Well, Isaiah came to ask about the visit. But then he came to tell of the visitation of judgment that God was going to send. Verse 5, Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord Almighty. The time will surely come when everything in your palace, all that your fathers have stored up until this day, will be carried off to Babylon. Nothing will be left, says the Lord. And some of your descendants, your own flesh and blood, who will be born to you, will be taken away. And they will become eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Well, notice the detriment to Hezekiah's family when he backslid. Oh, what damage we do to our families when we backslide. Why was God doing this? God loved Hezekiah. He loved him too much to leave these idols in his life. Uh, surgery was necessary, and so he puts him through this. Now, it would be wrong of us to conclude that God was punishing an entire nation for Hezekiah's sin. When you look elsewhere in Scripture, you find that the nation was punished for their own sin. Second Chronicles 36 and verse 15, The Lord, the God of their fathers, sent word to them through his messengers again and again, because he had pity on his people and on his dwelling place. But they mocked God's messengers, despised his words, scoffed at his prophets, until the wrath of the Lord was aroused against his people, and there was no remedy. He brought up against them the king of the Babylonians. How did Hezekiah respond when God confronted him through Isaiah. Verse 8, The word of the Lord you have spoken is good, Hezekiah replied, for he thought, There will be peace and security in my lifetime. Well, he is repentant. That doesn't come through that clearly there, but when you look at Second uh, Corinthians uh, chapter 32 and uh, verse 26, Then Hezekiah repented. Because of the pride of his heart, as did the people of Jerusalem. Therefore, the Lord's wrath did not come upon them during the days of Hezekiah. He acknowledged that God was good. Good is the word of the Lord. That God was just in confronting him and punishing him for the pride of his heart. And that's repentance, where we acknowledge that God is just in his dealings with us. And we turn from our wrong dealings. And uh, that's humility. He humbled himself. And he acknowledged that God was gracious and that there was mercy mixed with this. There would be a delay in the infliction of it. 
Well, how thankful you and I should be for the preservation we've experienced. Why haven't I gone back to my old ways as a dog to its vomit to use Scripture? God's grace, through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. T'was grace that brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. If God left me for a moment, I would go back. Hezekiah wasn't aware of the evil in his heart, nor are we. God had held him up prior to this, and then he just lets him alone for a minute. By the grace of God, we are what we are. How thankful we should be for that grace. How understanding we ought to be to others who've fallen. There but for the grace of God go I. If a man is overtaken in a fault, says Paul, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of meekness and fear, lest you yourself be tempted. How understanding we should be when a person falls and go to them, pleading with them to turn back, assuring them of God's forgiveness and of ours when they do. How vigilant we ought to be to keep our hearts. Proverbs 4.23 Keep your heart with all diligence. Out of it are the issues of life. Why didn't my salesman friend, Dick Myrie, why didn't he sign that, give in to that temptation? Because he was keeping his heart. God kept him, but he was keeping his heart. He was in the equivalent of Monday with a master, small group. He was witnessing. He was sharing his faith. He was on his knees in the morning, having a time in God's Word. In that, uh, in that passage, uh, Proverbs 4, where it talks about keep your heart with all diligence. My son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. Above all else, guard your heart. It is the wellspring of life. Put away perversity from your mouth. Keep corrupt talk from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Dick was walking that way. He was keeping his heart. Keep your heart. Get involved. Take advantage of these things, of a Christian fellowship and accountability and time in the Word and all of these things we've talked about, prayer. If you're a backslider, maybe you're the one that proposed the deal to someone else, the kickback, or maybe you would have signed it. You know you would have signed it. After the early service, someone came to me and said, I had that exact thing happen to me this week. And I told him no, and he said, I'll call you back Monday. You're not going to miss this deal. Humble yourself. Repent if you have done this type thing. If you're not a Christian, the Lamb... The Lamb's blood is a way of cleansing and forgiveness and renewal, a new heart, the Holy Spirit within to keep us. That's what you need. You need Christ. And you can have Him today. Let's bow in prayer. <clears throat> As our hearts are bowed, uh, where are you in all of this? Have you received singular favors from God? Made vows?
being tested? How did you do in the test? Uh, Have you uh, been keeping your heart with diligence? What would you need to do to do that? Is there an area of your life that's not open to the Lord? Secret, maybe. Are there things in your life that need to be repented of? God will bring them to the surface. You need to deal with them. Maybe you've fallen and need to come back. Maybe you've never come to Christ. That's the starting place. If you've never done that, but you want Christ to change your life, forgive you, cleanse you today, you pray in your heart like this. Lord Jesus, thank you for being the Lamb. I need your cleansing blood, your forgiveness based on your death. And I trust you to forgive me and to come into my life and change me. Amen.